Once again, welcome. Welcome to the Flagstaff Insight Meditation Community. Tomorrow, winter solstice, right? It's uh, the, the longest night and the shortest day of the year tomorrow. And so significant. This is the beginning of light coming back, a beginning again. And I know for me here in Flagstaff, it, it feels like the, the, the cold and the darkness, it feels like it calls me to go inward. This is what I love about this time around the winter solstice is, is it's, it's like I, I feel a calling in this way. It's like the, the cold and darkness are, are calling me to tend to my spiritual practice. And, and this is what I love about this time of year is it fits so well with this spiritual path in that way. So it's tonight I, I want to take some time to honor solstice in a way that honors this calling, the inward call of a spiritual path. And and the reason why I seem so connected is for me, uh, winter solstice, it, it feels like it mirrors back to me some of the qualities of this path of the, of the Dharma. And so I'd like to share with you some reflections in light of this. So for example, you know, the solstice, you know, one way of honoring it is I, I just slow down and I, I get a feeling sense of what it reminds me of in terms of this path. And one of the things is it feels like it, it reminds me and it, it, it helps me keep in touch with the rhythms of the earth. The rhythms of the earth are home. And some of you might know what I'm talking about. Like for myself, you know, when I'm outside a lot, like day after day after day, or even better, when I'm outside for a week or two weeks or a month, and I'm sleeping outside and I'm spending my entire day outside. It's like when I have those experiences, it, I do feel much closer to the rhythms of my home, this earth. Right? I feel closer to the rising and setting of the sun or the different phases of the moon and her movement through the day and night. Or the winds, you know, I have a sensitivity when they're coming and going, when the windstorm comes and then it disappears, or the coming and going of moisture or heat and cold. You know, all these rhythms, you know, some are fast, some are slow, of, you could say, this particular flow of, of the earth herself. And, you know, when I'm inside a lot, it's like I get pieces of those rhythms, but I'll be honest with you, it, it doesn't feel like the full depth of those rhythms, pieces of it, you know, oh, oh, interesting, the full moon, but it's different, really kind of like being with the moon as it, it comes into the full moon and then starts to wane. So the solstice reminds me of these rhythms of the earth and how, how nourishing it is to be be in touch with those. And for those of you, some of you may be here in Flagstaff, maybe that's one of the reasons why you like or are here in Flagstaff is sometimes being closer to the earth herself. And similarly, what I want to point out, spiritual practice 
sometimes feels like stepping outside of this metaphorical house you could say I live in. It's quite a cluttered house, that metaphorical house that I live in. The mind being lost in thought, it's scattered. It's like it's like I'm being when I'm being inside a lot. I, I catch pieces of my experience, but not the 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 depth of the rhythms. And then when I when I step outside of that metaphorical house, it's like stepping into the the natural world in that way. I, I begin to feel the rhythms of my experience more deeply. I'm present to those experiences. I'm awake to those experiences. And. And this path of the Dharma or the Dhamma is the uh, uh, way it's uh, pronounced in uh, Pali, the early scriptural language of Buddhism. Right? There's this training that we're engaged in of, of stepping into feeling the rhythms of our experience more deeply. And what's that training? That's mindfulness. It's interesting in, in one discourse, the Buddha calls mindfulness, he, he equates it to your ancestral home your native land. It's like something that we come back to, like stepping outside and coming back to the home of, of the earth and our rhythms. And this is what I, what I love about the connection with the solstice is like mindfulness being present feels like that to me. I'm coming home to something really vast and deep like the earth herself. And it's through that act, when I learned this art of um, mindfulness, it does feel like I'm, I'm feeling the rhythms of my experience more deeply than I do when I'm inside my house of the scattered mind and lost. <laughs> so this is one aspect of, of my reflections that I want to come back to, that, that kind of, I feel like the solstice mirrors to me, which is feeling more deeply into moment-to-moment -moment experience, because it, it is such a foundation to this path and this practice. And then secondly, you know, when I honor the solstice, it, it also reminds me of this value that I already mentioned, the beginning again. The, the, sun's, the sun's coming back, right? She's going to be around more. The days will get longer. You know, just as the sun slowly begins to emerge more and, to, more, and more, so too I can begin again in this way. This is the marking of winter solstice. Also, I find this so fascinating about winter solstice is that just like with the reemergence of the sun, it reminds me to fully begin again. It, it also reminds me the effect of my beginning again, it might take it a little bit longer to show up. I mean, have you noticed this about the winter solstice? We're at the, tomorrow's the shortest day. And yet, and the sun is going to be here more and more, but it's going to be a while before it starts to warm up. It actually gets colder. And then, and then gradually the sun warms us up. And sometimes I bring this to practice. It's like I, I, I begin again, or you're beginning meditation practice again, or you're, this is your first time in some kind of way. And it can be like, where's the warmth? I mean, come on, like, I'm putting, I'm extending the days of my meditation, and, and it's actually getting colder, not warmer. What's up with that? And this is what I love about the solstice. Oh, there's a whole process here. 
And it needs my patience. It needs my trust that the, the son, the son of the Dhamma, the son of some of this practice will, will, warm, will warm me. So beginning again, right? And this foundational piece of feeling more deeply into moment to moment experience. And so as I was reflecting on these two qualities, beginning again and sensing more deeply, coming closer to the rhythms of our experience, I thought, I realized I haven't done this in such a long time, is to uh, just to give beginning foundational meditation instructions for sitting meditation. And for those of you who have probably heard uh, beginning meditation instructions a lot, I invite you to see if you can practice to hear them newly, to truly begin again. And to remember, right, mindfulness meditation, I'm just going to be giving instructions about how to get closer and closer to our experience. And the instructions I'm giving you Sometimes it's called the Mahasi method. I want to say, just in terms of insight meditation, there are many different ways of engaging in insight meditation and also uh, meditation that arises from Theravada Buddhism. And Mahasi Sayadaw was uh, quite a famous monastic that was teaching, kind of, he, he came to the fore in the 1940s. And he had this particular way of uh, of introducing people to meditation and it's something that he probably learned from his teachers and then it came to be named after him as the Mahasi method and then it influenced a lot of the modern insight meditation tradition this meditation that Mahasi Saida was was teaching the aim of it kind of classically is it's about awakening and the the definition that I like to come back to often around awakening, is it simply a mind or a heart that's free of greed, hatred, and delusion? And I love this definition because it's simple and it's clear, even though that awakening is vast and beyond language, it gives, gives a handle about what we're doing in our meditation. So how to understand greed, hatred, and delusion? You know, an, another way of understanding those, those group of three is it's, it's, um, kind of the unskillful or often unconscious ways we react that creates harm for ourselves and others. So for a heart and mind to become free of those, for me, it feels like I'm, I'm tasting a deeper way of being, a deeper way of living. So, so the greed, hatred, and delusion, like it's the, the obsessive worries, the obsessive judgments, the unhelpful fears and resentments. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or is it just me? <laughs> Right. It's like, I think Pema Chodron talks about it this way, which I love. It's like these uh, greed, hate, and de delusion, it's kind of the flavor of being hooked. You know what I mean? It's like, man, and, and, and maybe even know it, like sometimes I know I'm hooked, but I'm still hooked. <laughs> so there's a process to unhooking in some way, or I feel trapped by my heart and mind. This is what I'm calling reactivity. So meditation is to become free of that. When when my heart's free, there's more space for kindness and compassion and wisdom and equanimity and joy and happiness and contentment. So mindfulness meditation, learning it and learning to be present in a way that moves in that direction towards freedom of freeing the heart, 
that's its purpose. So it's not just being present, it's a kind of being present that leads to freedom. That's the, the intention. So how to, how, to, how to be present in this particular way. And I'm gonna be emphasizing two aspects of it, just the simplicity of noticing. And this is the trick of it. I really wanna say like, I'm, hopefully I'm gonna make this sound simple. I might not, we'll see how I do. <laughs> But it is super simple, and, and, and often that's what makes this challenging, is, is I'm, I'm trying to come into a more simple, a simplified relationship to experience. And also, I'm trying to step out of the bigger concepts I have about experience, or you could say the, the, the bulky content that my mind creates around experience, and touch it closer to, to experience the rhythms of it more deeply. So those are going to be the two aspects. Before getting to how to meditate, I want to go over some of the things of what I check in with in, in a preliminary way when I begin to meditate. So one is posture. So I'm going to be speaking mostly about um, really about sitting meditation, but I just want to remind you that sometimes it's important to remember, just given the the, the fragility of our health, the Buddha talked about lying down meditation and starting to have that skill or walking meditation or standing meditation. Sitting meditation can be really helpful because it does give a sense of stability and stillness to the body. Um, but there are these other postures. And then I find it helpful when I come into my posture just to make sure that I'm a little bit upright and relaxed. Relax relaxation is important. And then I need to remind myself, for those of you who have been meditating for a while, you might be able to relate to this. I know I can relate to this. Sometimes I have such a habit of meditating that when I sit down, it's like my mind has a different idea what meditation time is like. It's just like it's time to think. It's time to think about this and that, about the news, what I'm upset about, what I'm angry about, what I'm afraid of. And then it can be like you're meditating, quote unquote, meditating for like 15 minutes, like, oh, like, Oh, I'm supposed to be present. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this. I know I have. So it's helpful for me to see if I can connect coming into my posture with reminding myself. It's kind of like, hey, Brian, yeah, we're going to practice being present. And just that can help go in a little bit different direction. It's just a, a couple seconds where I'm placing that intention. And then after this, and I'm going to be taking us through this when we meditate together, Relaxation, ease, it's, it's so important for this kind of ease and relaxation, especially with the instructions I give, because often when you, when you hear these instructions, the mind can get tight of like, oh, I need to do this and that, but really it's more about uh, uh, engaging in this in a relaxed and easeful way. So those are the kind of the things that I'm priming for, posture, relaxed but upright, placing the intention, and then a little time to, for relaxation and ease. And then engaging in the meditation. And I want to share with you one description of meditation that comes from uh, this Thai forest teacher, Ajahn Chah. And he talks about it in terms of taking a seat, like taking a seat in a chair. He says, as I see it, the mind is like a single point the center of the universe. 
and mental states. So mental states can be like emotions and thoughts and other things. And mental states are like visitors who come to stay at this point for short or long periods of time. And then he says, get to know these visitors well. Become familiar with the vivid pictures they paint, the alluring stories they tell to entice you to follow them. But do not give up your seat. It is the only chair around. Continue to occupy it unceasingly, greeting each guest as it comes, firmly establishing yourself in awareness, transforming your mind into the one who knows, the one who is awake. I just want to point out, like reading this again, like this is such the heart of what we're, we're, we're getting a taste of and we're embodying on this path. Taking the one seat, noticing the visitors go by, whether they're thoughts or emotions or sensations or sounds or smells and not giving up that seat. And the more you hang in, out in that seat, the more the more you rest in being the one who knows, the one who is awake to experience. So concretely, how to embody this poetic notion that Ajahn Chah just gave us? So the first part of this is after relaxation, I have an anchor. Again, this is the kind of from Mahasi Sayadaw. The breath is the most common anchor. And, and I do want to acknowledge that for most people, the breath works pretty well, but there's going to be always um, a certain amount of people where the breath just doesn't work so well. And all that means about you is that the breath doesn't work so well. Don't make any big stories about it. Like I know, I know monastics who have devoted their life to this path and this practice, who I have deep respect for, who have very deep practices, who do not use the breath at all. It just doesn't work for them. There's, there's nothing magical about the breath. It's just, it, it can be a good object to have as an anchor. And if it really doesn't work for you, best thing is to maybe talk with a teacher about it to really help support that. But other practitioners will use just the feeling of the whole body or the activity of hearing. Either of those are, are just as good. I just want to really point that out. And so when I talk about the breath and the breath doesn't work for you, just translate it into the activity of hearing or feeling the whole body as far as this goes. And what I'm doing is I'm taking the one seat and then my job is just to notice the visitor of the breath. I notice the feeling of the in-breath, how, and, and, and I can do this in certain places. The Mahasi Saida encourage people to do this at the abdomen. You don't necessarily have to do that. Sometimes I'm feeling the whole body as I do this. And I'm just feeling that feeling of expansion, right? When you breathe in, just the natural breath and then contraction on the out breath. And, and I'm trying to uh, get closer to the breath than the concept I am breathing, right? I am breathing is just a concept and feeling expansion and contraction is so much closer to the rhythm of your moment to moment experience. Right, so it's feeling that, I, and, and I might become curious, really feeling the beginning of the in-breath, the, the end of the in-breath, the beginning of the out-breath, the end of the out-breath. Like, what does the end of the out-breath feel like? 
Like sometimes it feels like it just stops for me. Sometimes it feels like it's trickling down in a manner. And then the, the in-breath can kind of quickly pop up or gradually happen. It's that simple, just feeling the breath. So it's like, I invite you to like, if you were to put your hands together and you feel your hands right now, you can be like, oh, come on, Brian, I felt my hands before. <laughs> Please, <laughs> this is what we wanna go beyond is that, that mind that feels like it knows. And right, you can have the concept, oh, my hands are touching. But we want to go from that bigger concept to smaller concepts. Can you feel like, is there warmth there? Is it warm or cool? Is there, are the hands dry or moist? Do they feel smooth or rough? Like really slowing down with that. And to notice that the hands touching is such a big concept. There's something deeper that you can touch. And it's super simple. Warmth, coolness, dry, moisture. There might be a little bit of pressure between the hands that you feel. You might want to notice, is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neither of those? It's got to be one of the three. Well, it feels kind of pleasant. Well, it's kind of unpleasant. Well, you know, those both of those words don't fit. So then it'd be a neither of those or neutral. That's the experience of taking the one seat. So I, I want to point out how undramatic it is. What makes it powerful is how simple it is, whether it be the touching of the hands or the breath. And this way of stepping out of the bigger concepts of my hands are touching into something that's closer to the experience. And then what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen if your mind's like mine. Come on, right? Your mind's going to get pulled away from the breath or whatever anchor you're using. Maybe it gets pulled away to a sound. You're paying attention to the breath, then boom, a sound happens, a car out there. And again, what I'm practicing is seeing if I can just notice that a sound has arisen and it passes away. Because the mind is going to do its thing, right? It's going to say, oh, there's a car. And it might even add a few thoughts around that. Is, that. is that my neighbor? Oh, it totally sounds like my neighbor's car. We wanna see that as thinking. So I'm not so curious about the content of it's a car or it's my neighbor's car. The mind's gonna think that way. I'm more curious about coming closer to that experience. Just like the sound of my voice, it arises and it passes away. So I, I begin to see that this is this is a part of experience. It, 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 it has a rhythm to it. It comes and it goes. It's a loud noise or it's a soft noise. It might be pleasant. It might be unpleasant. It might be neither of those. Do you see how I'm, I'm inviting you to get closer to it? And how this bigger concept of, oh, that's my neighbor's car, is not very close to my experience. We're taking a step closer by using these smaller concepts. And this is what I mean by stepping out of the content. The content is, that's my neighbor's car. The closer thing is, hearing is happening. A sound has arisen and has passed away. This is, hopefully you hear how simple this is. This is the real trick. And you probably know this, our minds 
are continually describing experience. In meditation, I'm not trying to get the mind to stop that. I'm just trying to touch a little bit closer into experience. Right? So I have the thought, oh, there's, there's, there's my, my neighbor's car. Oh, interesting thinking. Oh yeah, oh, the sound arose. Oh, and now it's decreasing. When the mind gets pulled into a thought, often for me, it's just my mind's lost. And so I need to, this is a nuance, then I need to pause. This is so important because often when we meditate, it's like the mind gets lost in thought and it's like, oh, I need to get back to the breath. You don't have to do that. You can pause and just to pause and to engage in what I call after the fact mindfulness. Like, okay, what's just happened? What just happened in the last five minutes of the mind being lost in thought? Oh, interesting. Thinking was happening. Or you might notice a flavor of the thinking. Oh, planning happened. Fantasizing, fantasizing was happening. Oh, there it is. Judging again. Yep. Judging myself, judging somebody else. There it is. But do you hear I'm not so interested in the content? And this is, again, the trick of this is like, I'm not interested of like, oh, I'm planning what I'm going to be doing in the next couple days. It's just planning. Oh, and then to notice, often when I notice it, it disappears. So I notice the arising and the disappearing of it. Do you hear how this is coming closer? I'm stepping out of the content and just a general word. This is, this is what we're playing with. And the same with emotion. Sometimes thought and emotions are going to be mixed together. I'm meditating and then I just, there the mind goes. It's just worrying. Worry. I, I don't have to, oh, I'm worrying about this and that at work or what's going on in this relationship. It's just worry. I'm stepping out of the content. And then if you can, what does it feel like? Oh, worry, it's kind of lingering. It feels like this. So I want to be clear that there's a time to reflect on what you're thinking about and to engage in thoughts and to be aware of the content. I, I'm, I'm not saying like this is the end all be all. This is just the what we're trying to engage in while meditating. So I notice what's going on, worry, and then I notice if it increases or decreases or disappears. I'm noticing the rhythm of it. So you might hear with emotions and thinking, sometimes it's a little bit after the fact. It's not right in the present moment. Same thing with sensations. Maybe my mind gets lost in an ache in my back. I'm just feeling that sensation. And then to also catch, and this is the thing that I really want to emphasize, how the mind's relating to that. Because often what happens, I feel that ache in my back that I felt 10, 20, 30, 40 times, and then my mind starts to worry about it. And meditation is just worry. It's just sensation and just worry. I'm beginning to notice how the mind's relating to experience. Right? The mind's either going to be simply present with the experience, or it's going to be pushing it away. It's like, oh, damn it, my back, like it went out again. Here it is. I don't want that called aversion, or I'm wanting more of something. Oh, I can, I can smell the chocolate chip cookies my partner is cooking. 
she's not right now, but I, because it'd be very difficult to give you this talk if that was happening. I was like, oh, I just can't wait. Mm. And then there's a leaning in. I'm not just with smelling. It's like, I want more of that. So I'm just noticing that. And hopefully you're hearing, do you hear how this is connecting with freeing your heart? Because it's often, these start to blow out, blow up. My wanting becomes some kind of obsessive craving. My aversion comes, comes into like a, a deep worry or something, and I get hooked by it. And I'm learning how to notice it and take the one seat. And hopefully you're hearing in this, like what comes with noticing is seeing if I can be with okay with whatever arises. This has been so freeing to me. I mean, I, I, when I've noticed what my mind does, it can be like, wow, I just feel like a, uh, uh, somebody that's always worried or somebody that's always angry or always irritated. And what meditation gives me is like, it's just the arising of irritation and then it passes away. <laughs> yep, fear. Yeah, arises and passes away. That's all it is. It's not me. It's just a visitor. Do you hear the power in that? There's, a, there's an opening to a freedom around these habits of the mind. And if you're not okay with what's arising in your experience, be okay with that. There's a sound. It's really unpleasant. I really don't like it. I'm not okay with it. Okay. <laughs> Can I be okay with not being okay? This is taking the one seat. It's just noticing in these, this particular way, coming closer to experience. And I want to point out what's, what we're not doing when we take the one seat. I'm not trying to figure out what's going on. I'm just noticing. I'm not trying to fix things. I'm not trying to solve things. I'm just taking the one seat. I'm just noticing and observing. And this is tricky because sometimes we come to meditation because there's something we want to figure out. I know for me, the when I did a it was the first 10-day retreat I did. It was in uh, Igapuri, India. I didn't know. I'd been meditating for a few years, but I didn't know a lot about meditation. And there were, there were some practitioners that were, you know, had been practicing for decades. And I remember just asking them, and it was such a sincere question. I kind of embarrassing now, but I really meant it. I because this is what I was looking for. I said, "Have you solved a lot of your problems through meditation?" Because this is what I wanted. And this person who'd practiced for for decades said. No, <laughs> which was not like like the most like inspiring answer that I'd heard. <laughs> and it threw me off guard. And then he said, but but he said, but so many of so many of them have dissolved. And that was so powerful that this was a different way of relating to my problems in my life. Yeah, there's a time to figure out and fix. I'm not saying that those are like inherently bad, but what I notice is there's such a habit of mind that I'm not really with my experience. And then I lose this gateway to freedom. This is why we're setting it aside for a while in meditation. So hopefully you're hearing with this taking the one seat, it's not about having a particular experience. Yeah, there can be important spiritual experiences, but it's more about coming into relationship in this particular way, just to take the one seat, to notice the visitors coming and going, being the one who knows, who is awake to your experience 
in this way. So I want to point out, like, I'm giving you this way of how it should be. And what you're going to find in this meditation that we're going to be doing now is it's most likely going to be messy and chaotic. It might not be, but I want to normalize that. We're just looking for moments of mindfulness in the chaos and to trust the frequency of mindfulness showing up, feeling the breath, feeling the in-breath, just feeling the out-breath being able to notice that thinking has occurred or planning, that's enough. And then the mind gets lost in thought, fine, it's okay. Remember, there has to be this okayness. And then beginning again. So it's messy. We're looking just for moments of it as a way of reinforcing this. And then lastly, this simple way of taking the one seat, it's potent. When I do this with the quality of kind of softening and acceptance, I start to have a different relationship to my experience that's incredibly freeing. But it does take a lot of patience and commitment and kindness towards ourselves. So let's take one minute to stretch and move around and then let's give it a try together let's let's take the one seat together so let's come back so 37 minutes past the hour and then we'll uh meditate together Hey, if you can hear the sound of my voice, we're going to begin to meditate together here. And we'll be going through this, uh, this unfolding that I shared with you, kind of a, a little bit of a, a modern version of what's called the Mahasi method from Venerable Mahasi Sayadaw. So in light of this, I invite you to find a posture that feels supportive. Most importantly, it should be easeful and relaxed, yet also alert and upright. So allowing your attention to go inward and just feeling the posture that your body's in. And then briefly placing that intention, reminding yourself that this meditation period is simply about cultivating being present. Ah, uh, yeah, my intention is to be present. The meditation might not go that way, but what's important is to practice placing that intention to help shape experience. I now invite you to allow for a quality of relaxation in the body. And it can be helpful to relax certain parts of the body, like maybe allowing the shoulders to drop, 
and the jaw to loosen. Allowing the hands to relax. And you might want to allow the pelvic floor to settle downward as if you're settling down towards the earth and allowing the pelvic floor to open release as a way of settling. At this point, we'll begin with this act, this, this process of taking the one seat by beginning to be aware of the feeling of the breathing, if that works for you. Just the natural breath and maybe feeling the breath at the abdomen if that works for you. Feeling the in-breath and the out-breath. And the gap between them. And if you have difficulty feeling the movement of the abdomen that's connected with the breath, feeling the breath in that way, it is fine to put your hand on the belly, the abdomen, just to feel that very slight motion that comes with the natural breath. To help you come closer to that feeling. Just expansion and contraction. And settling down with it, even savoring it if it's pleasant, enjoying it. Relaxing into it.
you might want to notice the feeling of the movement of the breath. It might feel like it's smooth or just slightly wavy or bumpy. Or just the simple expanding and contracting. And then when you find your mind's been pulled away from the breath, it's really important, not just something that's happening in the background, but it feels like it's pulled into the sound of my voice, maybe. Or it's been pulled into thinking. Or thinking, or a sound, or another sensations. Now, a bit more in the foreground. That's fine. That just becomes the new object of your meditation. So if it's a sound, like the sound of my voice, just noticing hearing is happening. A sound is arising, and then it passes away. And that sound might be pleasant or unpleasant or neither of those. Just to notice, to be awake to how sound comes and goes, how the activity of hearing is happening. And then when the sound disappears, returning to the anchor you're using, like returning to the feeling of the breathing. Remember, the fundamental goal is to notice it's not necessarily how long can I stay with the breath, rather can I notice when the breath is prominent and can I notice when something else is prominent. 
This way there's no such thing as a distraction. It's just noticing the visitors that are coming and going, taking the one seat. And when you notice your minds maybe get lost, gets lost in thought, just a pause. There's no rush, no need to rush back to the breath to pause and notice what kind of thinking has been going on, planning or remembering, judging or fantasizing. Or that thinking might have some kind of emotion interwoven in it. Nervousness, irritation, joy, excitement, sleepiness. Just another visitor. Just notice. And after noticing it, returning to the feeling of the breathing the expanding and contracting.
And of course, if a sensation pulls the attention away from the breath or a smell or yet another sound, that's that too can be another visitor that's just arising and passing away that visits for a while and then disappears. Simply notice with a sense of acceptance, okayness. And to maybe notice how the mind's relating to it. So for example, with the sound of my voice, the mind might be simply present with it. Or it might be not wanting the sound or wanting more of the sound. Or just not present at all. Seeing how the mind's relating to experience. And again, you just need to notice, that's it, to be aware, to see if the not wanting increases or decreases or disappears, and then eventually going back to the feeling of the breathing. As you continue to meditate, you might want to play with using these very light mental notes, like noting the breath in terms of expanding when you feel expansion of the in-breath, contracting on the out-breath. A small mental note when you notice the mind has been planning or remembering. A small mental note of hearing when you hear something, just to help reinforce the noticing. You might want to give that a try.
It actually doesn't matter how much your mind gets lost in thought or if this starts to feel confusing. What's important is simply to begin again. Maybe begin again with the breath or begin again by simply noting, oh, thinking has been happening. And then returning to the breath with a sense of okayness. At this point in the meditation, I'm going to invite you to do a very simple thing, which is to simply and fully and wholeheartedly begin again. Not to worry what those, this first 25 minutes or so of meditation has been like, whether it's been smooth or bumpy, just to begin again right now with the sound of my voice coming and going. Hearing is happening. Feeling the breath as if for the first time. And practicing taking the one seat and maybe using this noting, this labeling every so often, ever so lightly to help you be mindful. Just for another seven minutes or so to begin right now a seven minute meditation.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.